The views expressed by our podcast guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Federal Home Loan Bank of Dallas. Welcome to this edition of FHLB Dallas Bankcast, a podcast of interest to people working in the financial services sector and related industries. Today, we are discussing the path to the digital mortgage. We've seen a revolution underway in the mortgage sector over the past decade as the industry very slowly moved toward a fully digital mortgage. That movement has sped up considerably in just the past couple of years. In July, the Federal Home Loan Bank of Dallas, or FHLB Dallas for short, began accepting e-notes as collateral on certain residential mortgages and has plans to accept them on additional property types in the future. Rachel Sokolowski, president of Magnolia Technologies of Boston, joins us to talk about just that. Magnolia has expertise in all aspects of e-mortgages from origination to closing. Rachel, thank you for joining us. Thank you for the opportunity. Well, we are looking forward to hearing your insights. So we're going to dive right into the first question. The adoption of the digital mortgage suddenly seems to be moving at warp speed. What impact has the coronavirus pandemic had on industry adoption? Well, the coronavirus pandemic has shifted the mindset, I would say, of lenders and title companies to move home loans online to find creative solutions for notarization, and to eliminate paper as borrowers don't want to risk health or safety to purchase or refinance a home, um, especially in this time of historically low interest rates. Ironically, technology has been uniquely poised to transform the time-consuming and paper-centric process of closing a mortgage for over 15 years, but it's taken a major event such as this pandemic uh, that requires physical distancing to move the needle. Moving to E requires a lot of a unique combination of legislation and technology um, and acceptance by mortgage professionals and borrowers. We've had legislation and technology for some time, but we're now seeing demand from consumers and acceptance by lenders to perform an electronic closing or e-closing rather than meeting in person. It may be obvious, but in order to perform a fully paperless e-closing, all documents need to be electronic. And systems must not only have the capability to sign and notarize electronic documents, but they also must be able to record the electronic document in public land records. Even with e-signatures legally enforceable and industry standards in place, it is still deemed less risky sometimes to use printed documents, especially with respect to notarization. You know, the duties of a notary vary from state to state, but overall, the physical presence of a notary is, is to act as an impartial and public witness to the signing ceremony. So in the time of COVID, notarization has created some unique challenges. Interesting. So Rachel, tell me, is a notary's role any different in an e-closing than in an actual closing? In an e-closing, the notary's role really doesn't change. It includes performing a reasonable check of the identity of the signer, witnessing the actual signing and electronically affixing a notary stamp and seal to the documents. This attests that the signatures were not executed under under duress and by the free will of the signers. There are, however, a lot of issues and potential legal challenges with performing notarization electronically that sometimes is creating confusion and delaying the paperless mortgage as the norm. One issue that we're seeing that the pandemic has kind of risen to the surface is that the acceptance of electronic notarization is done on a state-by-state basis. 
And some states have published rules for the process and others have said it's allowed but haven't provided any guidance. And there still are some states that have remained completely silent on the issue. Right. So can you elaborate on how technology is helping with this process? So technology can enable uh, notarization to happen electronically. Um, and the way in which this happens is called remote online notarization or RON. And with RON, the notary is not face-to-face -face with the borrower and conducts the notarization using audio and video technologies. RON also allows for notarizations to occur across state lines. So in this time of pandemic, remote online notarization has really provided a means in which we can have the physical distancing that's necessary. Also, as a result of COVID-19, what we have seen is that many leaders in many states have issued emergency orders that temporarily address notarization in different forms to remove these in-person requirements. And some have included guidance for what's known as remote ink notarization or RIN, in which the notarial act is performed using audio video technology uh, for witnessing the signing ceremony on paper documents. So they're signed in, in wet ink. The notarial act occurs at a later time when the notary is physically receives the documents and does the notarial act. But I, I want to stress that RIN doesn't, uh, does not remove the paper and doesn't really address becoming a completely paperless uh, mortgage process. And it's only a temporary solution. But the good news on the notarization and e-recording front is that electronic promissory notes or e-notes are not notarized and they do not need to be recorded in public land records. So it is possible to complete a, a hybrid closing with a mix of electronic and paper documents where the loan file includes an e-note and wet ink signatures um, are used for those that require notarization. Ironically, I'd say the coronavirus may be the best thing that's ever happened uh, in terms of moving the industry to uh, e-notes and to fully paperless mortgages. Wow, that certainly gives us something to think about. So Rachel, I think it's safe to say that one of the main hurdles to the fully digital mortgage, as you've alluded to, has been the use and acceptance of e-notes. So where do you think the industry stands on the adoption of e-notes? Well, for many years, and I've been doing this you know, for, for quite some time, uh, the adoption of e-notes was low. Uh, there were a few reasons for this, most notably the mortgage crisis uh, that began in 2008 and the fallout afterward uh, for a few years where uh, attention was diverted elsewhere. Another factor was the replacement of the HUD-1 settlement statement with the closing disclo disclosure that forced the industry to perform a technological and process upgrade, which was completely unrelated to the promissory note. But in the last two years, we have seen increasing adoption as it is generally predicted to be in the shape of a hockey stick. From 2004 to 2017, e-note adoption was relatively flat, much like the blade of the hockey stick. But since 2018, the industry has experienced an inflection point of growth as we move up the stick handle. To give some numbers, the, the total annual number of e-notes in 2018 was just over 17,000. In 2019, there were just about over 127,000 e-notes registered on the Mersey registry. And this year, in the first six months, registrations have exceeded last year. MERS has reported a total number of 149,581 e-notes. So we have really seen a, a significant increase. Wow, those numbers are astronomical. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we've seen some of the big banks push the industry forward over the past year or so when some started buying e-notes. 
Where did community banks and credit unions, many of which are FHLB Dallas members, fall in terms of acceptance and use? Well, MERS actually conducted a recent survey and they asked the question, if you had to shift your e-note strategy, what was the reason? Uh, 43% of the respondents stated a shift to e-notes was in reaction to COVID-19. I think we will see more and more smaller institutions shifting to e-notes as priorities change in the new environment we're all in. I think that the smaller institutions have been a little slower to adopt uh, e-notes, but I think the the current environment, it will actually force those smaller institutions to take a look at ways in which we can create safe, physically distanced uh, closings and uh, operations for their consumers. Great. So as you know, MERS partnered with the FHL bank system to facilitate its use of the MERS e-registry by federal home loan bank member financial institutions wishing to pledge acceptance of e-notes as collateral. Now that the federal home loan bank system is accepting e-notes, how might that impact industry adoption? Well, the... the the system-wide project that the 11 federal home loan banks uh, began three years ago, we formed some multidisciplinary working groups, and one of which was to do some outreach with members and to understand how not allowing e-notes uh, to be pledged impacted processes. Um, the results of the outreach, I would say, were loud and clear. Uh, members could not move to e-notes until the federal home loan banks did. And in some discussions we had during the outreach, members stated that they needed to know at closing what the final destination of the loan was. If they were considering selling the loan on the secondary market, uh, they could create an e-note. But if they wanted to pledge that loan from the time that uh, it was originated to the time of sale, they had to it had to be on paper. So this created a a bifurcated process for a lot of the members where at closing they had to know the final destination of that loan. And we heard from the members that this was a a hurdle or a roadblock for them and that they would really like to be able to have e-notes so that they could pledge the loan uh, before sale on the secondary market. Now that the federal home loan banks are accepting e-notes, members can pledge their loans um, at, at, at any point. Um, regardless of whether they sell and deliver to the secondary market. And I believe this will increase adoption among members, which will then uh, ultimately increase adoption in the industry. Interesting. So, Rachel, you've alluded to some of the hurdles that have been seen to accepting e-notes. What do you see as the main hurdles for, for smaller financial institutions in particular in the use and pledging of e-notes? And what might get them over those hurdles? Um, you know, in my consulting practice, I've seen uh, common hurdles, really, regardless of the size of the institution. Some of these include you know, technology limitations, uh, siloed systems and processes, uh, trying to deal with diverse state and, and uh, local regulations around, especially around notarization and recording. Um, there is a perception out there that it's somewhat less risky to have a printed document than an electronic document, which is unfounded. And also uh, sort of fragmented adoption by, you know, the participants uh, in the process, just as we discussed with the federal home loan banks uh, recently entering um, into the e-note space. And I should mention as well, Ginny May also um, accepting e-notes will be a major driver uh, for the industry in general. But, you know, the major hurdle when resources are tight, especially at smaller institutions, is how to implement technology for e-notes. There are certain parts to it that need to be implemented. 
electronic signature, the document preparation of the e-note, an e-closing platform, integration and connectivity to the MERSI registry, and an e-vault. Many smaller institutions have core banking systems that have some type of sig electronic signature capability that could be leveraged. Um, and MERS is in a partnership with an eVault provider, uh, eOriginal, to provide a solution just for the eNote. So it is possible for smaller institutions to get to e without having a major meltdown by their CIO because they have to implement a, a ton of new processes and systems. Unfortunately, there's, you know, to date, there's no one-stop shopping solution for E. Uh, there's a patchwork of providers that offer solutions for all the necessary components. But for the smaller institutions, I think with tight resources, there, there, there can be a, an easy path to E notes. <laughs> that, that's very interesting about the CIOs. I could just see that happening. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Having previously been a, a, a CIO at a community bank, I know I know those meltdowns well. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rachel, when you talk to financial institutions about the key benefits of eNotes, what is it that you stress? There's so many benefits of moving to eNotes. You know, you have reduced shipping of storage fees, fewer errors, faster funding, less paper waste, improved auditing capabilities. Um, but for, you know, when I talk to people, I think there are really two main benefits. One is in the post-closing uh, area. Uh, that is that you will never have missed signatures because when you move to an electronic signature environment, that electronic signing platform is going to ensure that that signer has either initialed, uh, checked, or adopted their signature on that document where they're supposed to. So you won't have that process in the post-closing of checking for those missing signatures and setting those documents out for back out for signature. So that what that's one major benefit. But I think ultimately the biggest benefit is that uh, you will never be able to lose an e-note. Um, the e-note is stored securely. It provides evidence of tampering and the location and ownership is registered with the independent third party MERS. So registration with MERS is the equivalent of double and sometimes triple entry accounting since MERS, the controller who would be the holder in due course in the paper world, and the location of where the e-note is kept, all keep the information about the e-note. By having the, an independent third party track the e-note, records may be verified by an organization against the third party. If there's a dispute about who actually has the rights to an e-note, audit trails and logs can be compared from different sources. These safeguards provide accountability for the ownership and location of the e-note. This reliable tracking mechanism does not exist in the paper world. And there are tremendous processes when you lose a paper note of how you create an affidavit and how it lost note affidavit and how you handle that um, with the information. Uh, so that to me, I think you eliminate all those processes and all those procedures that you need to have in place when you actually physically lose a paper note. Great information, Rachel. You know, at least for us here at FHLB Dallas, there are a number of things that our members need to do to enter this eNote space with us. What key criteria do you suggest for our members, FHLB Dallas members, to focus on when selecting vendors to implement eNote capabilities? I think um, you know there are a lot of different vendors, as I said, that provide different parts of the solution. Um, and both uh, Fannie and Freddie publish technology solution provider lists, and these are uh, providers that they have reviewed internally uh, to their requirements. 
So I'd suggest starting with those lists when looking for vendors uh, because they have uh, been vetted by both Fannie and Freddie in terms of their requirements and the federal home loan banks in developing the uh, requirements for pledging collateral heavily le leveraged uh, the Fannie and Freddie requirements. And also MERS publishes a list of participants uh, that uh, lists the vendors, uh, the, the servicers and others that are participating in the MERSI registry that meet uh, the criteria that MERS set. So I would look to those three sources when looking for a vendor and compare the vendor that you're considering with those lists. All right. Rachel, this has been a riveting conversation with so much great information for our listeners. Is there anything we haven't talked about or that I haven't asked you about eNotes that you would like to share with us? You know, we've touched on the main point uh, uh, about, uh, you know, closing a loan electronically. Um, I think most importantly that it is the only way to provide the physical distancing uh, that the protocols for COVID-19 require these days. And once borrowers experience a fully digital closing, why would they ever want to go back to having to take time off from work, go to a physical office, sign a stack of paper, take that stack of paperwork home, and, and, and then be done with their closing? Why would they ever want to do that if they could uh, perform that closing uh, from their living room? Um, as, you know, as we all know, we're getting more and more used to doing more things from home these days, and I, I, I don't think that we will, we will go backward. I don't think that uh, consumers and borrowers, and I don't think that lenders, once they see the the efficiencies in the process that they will gain, uh, will will ever want to go back uh, to to paper. So that's where I think the future will will hold us. That this pandemic has uh, has actually uh, been a benefit in terms of how we uh, conduct our our mortgage closing process and and what that means uh, as for the entire life of the loan. Wow. Well, it sounds like this could be our new normal. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> well, Rachel, we appreciate your time today. How can our listeners get more information about your work? Um, well, my website is www.magnoliatech.com. And I have an, authored an article for Scotsman Guide Residential that will be in the September edition. It's entitled uh, Paperless Odyssey, The Journey to a Fully Digital Mortgage is Nearing an End. Um, and that touches on many of the items we've discussed today. So you could look out for that article uh, to get sort of a review of what we've discussed here today. Well, we will certainly be on the lookout for that. This concludes this edition of FHLB Dallas Bankcast. Thank you all for joining us.